Good morning. Uh, good morning, my name is Margarita. Please have a seat. Our scripture passage today comes from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 from the Common English Bible. Feel free to read along in scripture on the screen. Welcome to everyone online. It is good to um, be with you today in, in proximity and in spirit. The members of the group of prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we now live under your authority is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan River and each get a log from there. Then we can make a place to live there. Elisha said, do it. One of them said, please come with us, your servants. Elisha said, okay, I'll go. So he went with them. They came to the Jordan River and began cutting down trees. One of them was cutting down a tree when his axe head fell into the water. He cried out, Oh no, master, it was a borrowed axe. The man of God said, Where did it fall? He showed Elisha the place. Elisha then cut a piece of wood, threw it into the river there, and the axe head floated up. Lift it out, Elisha said. So, then, so the man then reached out and grabbed it. The word of the Lord. God is good all the time. Awesome. We do that. Uh, I do that. I like to do that because God is good all the time and we like to proclaim the truth. But in all honesty, it's a stall technique for me as I get situated. But it also gives us energy um, as we go. But we're continuing in. passages that I've always avoided. I'm going to avoid that. Never going to preach on that because I don't know what it means. Uh, but we're challenging, the pastors are challenging ourselves uh, to hit these stories, um, to see if indeed they're in the Bible, right? And Bible is authoritative and speaks into our lives and inspired by the Holy Spirit. So they should, it should speak into our lives. We just have to do a little digging, right? Or maybe do some strange exegesis, um, which I'm, you know, as a poet, I'm not opposed to. I, I enjoy and appreciate. Um, so we continue in this series of huh, and um, every and singing those songs. It was amazing to sing those worship songs. And one of the themes that I was noticing coming out of the songs was healing, God's healing, the healing of Jesus Christ, and how we all need that healing, and it struck me that our world needs healing. I mean, literally, our world is healing, right? We're in, we've been in a global pandemic. People have been sick all over the place. And the land itself has been sick. And Jesus is healing. And that's the work that God and Christ has been doing, right? Ren renewing all things, bringing um, thing all things together, and healing our world. And um, so to continue to sing praise to that and living into our name as a church, renew, right? We are all about God renewing our hearts. We are all about God participating 
and what God is doing in the world, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, to renew lives, to heal lives and restore and redeem. And we continue to proclaim that, like God is healing. And God has been healing even his creation, right? Like uh, you hear stories uh, about like Italy, for instance. Um, the, what is the city with all the waterways? Venice. Venice, right? Um, how because people were in quarantine and there was not a lot of traffic happening or tourism happening, like the fish, right, were returning and there were all these jellyfish in the waterways and, and nature has been overgrowing, growing, growing, growing. Um, because people have been absent, because pollution has been absent, in many places nature has been abundantly recovering, abundantly renewing, because we're not around. It's like, oh, why was everything quiet? Why did everything in the party get quiet when I walked in? It's you, right? It's like, why is the world like dis- getting destroyed and like deteriorating? Maybe it's you, human beings, right? And so God, even in the midst of this pandemic where we see that the world is sick, people are sick, um, that God is already working to renew all things. Everyone say freedom. 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 Um, That's one of the things that I and myself have been wrestling with. I kind of feel like all of us have been in our own individual or family arcs, right? No in the arc. We've been in an arc, and I feel like Punxsutawney Phil, right? It's springtime, and I'm peering my head out, and if I see my own shadow, I'm going to go back in. And now we're starting, you know, things are starting to open up, and we're sticking our heads out, and they're like, now, like, what's the new normal? What's socially appropriate? Like, do I wear a mask in the grocery store? This is what I struggle with. Do I wear a mask in the grocery store if I've been vaccinated? Like, and what if I don't wear a mask? Or what if I do wear a mask in the grocery store because I'm still being cautious? Does that mean I'm saying to everyone, I'm not vaccinated because I don't believe in vaccinations? Or if I come without a mask into the grocery store, am I saying, are people going to think I'm the, like, I'm the no mask person, right? Like, COVID was a hoax. Like, it's so confusing, right? What do we do? What do we do? And so I figured the correct, I always bring Cammy with me the other day to the grocery store because that's, for me, that's the configuration that most communicates what I think, right? I am vaccinated, so I'm not wearing a mask, but my daughter is under 12, so she's wearing a mask. So I had no mask, and she was wearing a mask, and I was like, perfect, now people will have no excuse. (laughs) So it's hard times, right? We're all coming out of our ark. And our church's mission statement is renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. And as we've been all cooped up in our homes, cooped up in quarantine, and as a church, we're starting to gather again in person, the question is, what does it look like to love our neighbors, right? What does it look like? What are people comfortable with? And some of us is like, how do I even interact with my neighbors? Like, it's been weird. I feel awkward. And, um, and then we come back to church and it's totally different. There's couches in here, right? What happens in a pews? Like, what does it mean if I sit in a white chair versus if I sit in a, 
in a couch. Like, if I sit in a couch, I'm like, ooh, I'm into the cafe style, emerging church. If I sit in a pew, I'm traditional and old school. If I sit in a white chair, I'm, I don't know, I'm in between. I'm a moderate. <laughs> what does this mean? It's so confusing. And in some sense, it's like, it is confusing. It's, what is our identity? What is the new normal? What does our church's outreach look like? What are our, you know, what, you know, what does it mean as we're coming out of the ark and trying to figure out what are we going to be about? What kind of outreaches are we going to do? What is children's ministry going to look like? Right? What, 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 what? And I think the word that God has been speaking to me, at least personally, is freedom. Right? Come out. The dove, you sent the dove out and it didn't come back. It's flying out there and making a home, right? Don't be afraid to build again. Don't be afraid to pursue life again, to pursue purpose again. The hard part is loss, right? How do you get back up, right? I get knocked down. I get up again, right? (laughs) How do you get back up again when you get knocked down? How do you get back up again? How do you build again when you've experienced loss? Right? And all of us have experienced loss in our lives in one way or another. And the question I want us to ask as we're going through this passage is, what have I lost? What have people around me lost? And how am I doing with that? Last week... Uh, we talked about, we were in the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels, um, and people were asking if Jesus was going to pay the temple tax. He tells Peter to go fishing, and alas, they catch a gold a fish with four drachma in it, and that, that was the exact amount needed to pay the temple tax for Peter and Jesus. So, in, in a, in a, on one level, it's God provides. In this strange incident, God provides. On a more Christological, theological level, it's, you know, Jesus is arguing with the temple leaders saying, essentially, I'm the new paradigm. I'm the new normal, right? I am the living temple, not this building. And so I'm the one who sets, uh, is the place where people gather and worship. I'm the presence of God in this place, and through me, in grace, in my economy, there is no tax. Everything is free. But as my people, you still live in the world. You still have debt. You still have needs. There's still a tax, a temple tax. But you know what? In my kingdom, weird, abundant provision happens. Does that make sense? Like, a fish with drachma in it. Like, weird <laughs> things happen. I provide. In our story, we take the time machine, right? Here in chapter, uh, in chapter 6 of 2 Kings, um, we take the time machine and we go back to the time of Elijah. And... Um, Elijah, you may know, was an apprentice and successor of the prophet Elijah. You know, going to Sunday school, I always confused Elijah and Elisha. 
Elijah and Elisha, like, are they the same person? Or are they two different prophets? So Elisha was a, was a kind of student of Elijah. And if you remember, Elijah was one of a couple of people in the history of humanity that was born but never died, right? Even Jesus died, right? But Elijah just got taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. So he never died, actually. And Elisha, knowing that Elijah was going to die and kind of there's going to be a transition, follows Elijah all around. And this you can find in 2 Kings chapter 2. He follows Elijah all around from city to city. And then finally, Elijah, they cross the Jordan. Elijah takes off his cloak, touches the Jordan waters, and it spreads. And we've seen this image before, right? The Exodus, Moses. Many times, you know, the waters have been the miracle of the water spreading and walking through on dry land. And then Elisha asks him, now that you're going, you're going, you know, can you give me a gift? Can you give me something? Can you impart something on me? Let me have a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah's like, you're asking me a hard thing, right? Double of me? <laughs> like, come on now, boy. why not just my portion <laughs> or a third of my portion or half? You got to say double of me? What, what's going up with that? So a little profit drama going on there. I imagine, probably not, you know, that's what I would be feeling. Um, and so he suddenly get, so what Elijah says is, if you, can, if you see me while I'm getting taken up, then you'll get that gift. And so they're walking along, and Elijah just gets taken up by a fire up to heaven. Elijah sees it and says, behold, a chariot of fire. Um, and so uh, apparently he's granted a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And we hear that the company of prophets, remember that, that group, the company of prophets, between chapters 2 and our chapter, 2 through 6, there's going to be a lot of interactions between Elisha and the company of prophets. So the company of prophets say uh, about Elisha, because Elisha on his trip back takes Elijah's cloak, same cloak, touches the waters of Jordan, and crosses back over the Jordan. So they like, they're like, Wow, Elisha has the spirit of Elijah. And so I mentioned this company of prophets. From this point on in our story, in chapter 2 of 2 Kings, chapter 2, all the way to chapter 6 where we find our story of the axe head, we hear and read about a series of interactions between Elisha and the company of prophets. And these, uh, they're kind of his apprentices, right? So these company of, uh, these interactions um, between Elisha and the company of prophets are highlighted by tension and ideological differences, right? They, they believe and they follow Elijah, but, you know, they're, they're not quite there yet, right? And there's this kind of test um, or tension between, like, what is God about? What does God's provision look like? What does it mean to be set apart as prophets? Can you get the next slide? Oh, is it hot in here? I'm sweating. Maybe I'm like 
animated speaking. Um, what do we... Oh, I'll get to that later. But here's the basic story. So fast forward to chapter 6, our story. The basic story. One of the prophets under Elisha's tutelage um, is cutting trees near the Jordan uh, with a borrowed axe. And this borrowed axe has an axe head made out of iron. And the axe head flies... By the way, talk about freedom. Is axe spelled with an E at the end or just A-X? A-X or A-X-E? With an E. A-X. Flies off the handle. Ha, ha, ha. The axe head flies off the handle. And sinks into the Jordan River. And we have to, rem- we have to know a one contextual fact Iron was very rare. It was a very rare and precious metal um, in those times. So needless to say, this axe was an expensive and very special tool. So the prophet freaks out because he borrowed it, and it's very valuable. He's like, oh my, what should I do? And goes to Elisha, what do I do, Elisha? Elisha goes to the place, show me the place where the axe had fell. And he sets a piece of wood uh, down in the water. And the axe head rises up, floating on the surface of the water. So this is what makes it a strange story, right? A fish with, you know, drachma in its mouth and an axe head, iron axe head that floats on the water. Weird. Floating on the surface of the water. And um, Elijah then commands the man to f- lift it out of the water. And there's some, like, rustling in the commentary of this, like, what is this piece of wood? Was it really just kind of like a spear? And Elijah actually just spears at the axe head and, like, brings it up with the wood? Or does he actually just throw the piece of wood? And just as the wood is floating, the axe head takes on the properties of wood and rises up. Like, there's an argument there. Either way... Um, there's a miracle that's happening. I think iron floating on the water is a more impressive miracle. Um, so it floats. This is a strange story. And along with our story last week of the fish with the drachma in its mouth, it falls under the same category of what I like to call aquatic wonders. <laughs> <laughs> Miracles of things... <laughs> coming up from the water to provide for those in need, right? Another random miracle of everyday objects emerging from waters. What are we to make of this? What can we glean from this episode? Do we say God provides in mysterious and even weird ways? Should we say hope floats? For those of you who remember that movie, Let's dive in a little deeper, like what I did here, and see if we can't flush out some more meaning from this strange story in the Bible. Next slide. Building our lives. So we learned that uh, these company of prophets are part of some sort of apprenticeship um, or school of prophecy led by Elisha. More than a modern-day seminary. Maybe, you know, you may think of a modern-day seminary. But more than just a modern-day seminary, these prophets actually are living in community. They live in a commune of sorts and are sitting at the feet of Elijah, 
just as Elisha had sat at the feet of Elijah. We also learn that this school of prophets is growing because they all come to Elijah and suggest that they go down to the Jordan and cut up some logs and build a bigger space there. And we can look at this in several ways, right? Here's one. They're building this great seminary, this great training ground, this community of prophets training up ministers of God's word, right? And, and the seminary or this, this leadership development place is fruitful. It's growing. Many, 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 many uh, people are being added to this company of prophets. It's growing, and it's growing so fast and so much that they are running out of space, right? Let's build a bigger building for ministry. We've never heard that before, right? <laughs> Let's train more people. Let's expand. And this is the thrust of ministry or churches, right? But it's also not just churches. It's the thrust of business, right? This is the business of business, right? To thrive and expand and create wealth and to re-envision something further reaching and more impactful. This is a thrust of ministry as well, to grow, to touch more, to influence more, to help more, to gain more followers. Imagine, just think, Renu, what will our conversations look like when Renu reaches 200 people on a Sunday? What's the max capacity of this place? Maybe like 150? But we start pushing that we get 200 people. Hey, let's do a capital campaign. Hey, should we go to two services? Hey, we need a new sanctuary. Hey, let's hire a children's director. Hey, we need a children's wing. Hey, we need a youth group. Hey, we need this, we need that. We're growing, we're growing, we're growing. Those are the conversations that inevitably happen. And I'm, I'm neutral, I'm not saying that's good or bad, right? But our tendency in anything is to thrive and to flourish. And some, some would say that's a, your call as a church or a business, to be fruitful in order to benefit the common good, in order to benefit the people. So that's one way to look at it. Another way we can look at it is simply pursuing building a better life. This is the right of every human being, the pursuit of happiness and the good life. When, we, when Janice and I were first married, we lived in an apartment 700 square feet, and half of that was the bathroom, right? It was like, and in, so in the bathroom, we had all our boxes and our wedding gifts that we never unpacked, right? But as we, you know, years later, as we start thinking about Oh, Isaiah comes along. Then the second child comes along. We're like, oh, we want a house. Oh, first we went into a townhouse. Then we, we don't want this townhouse. We want a house. We want a yard, right? Our family's growing, so we are growing. Our space needs to grow. We're pursuing uh, a good life. Um, and that's the right of every human being, the pursuit of happiness. At the bare minimum... We all want and need to survive, right? 
But, but even beyond surviving, we long to thrive and to flourish. And there's many parts in, in Scripture, um, take Genesis, for instance, where God talks about be fruitful and multiply. Go and flourish, right? So that's part of how we're built, our DNA, and that's part of, like, what God wants for people. I'm walking the edge, you know, like... Um, I'm not talking about a prosperity theology, like, just mind you there. <clears throat> and the prophets are like, hey, things are getting cramped in here, in our little commune. I'd rather not have Nathaniel's toe in my mouth while I'm sleeping. <laughs> and the B- B.O. in this house is like, wow, cut my nose off. It's getting pretty bad. Look, let's get some lumber and build some better kicks so we can get on MTV Cribs. That's, uh, that probably dates me, right? There's no MTV Cribs anymore. <laughs> we can even have a man cave to play our profit games like Settlers of Canaan. <laughs> or Ticket to Chariot Ride. I lost my space. <laughs> Okay, too many jokes. Come on. Get serious here, people. <laughs> um, so they go, right? They go. One of them borrows. Oh, my notes are going crazy here. Um, so they go, and they, wanna go, they, say, they come to Elijah. We want to build a larger slave space. Let's go cut down some trees. Each one of us can carry a log. To the Jordan River, let's build a bigger space near the Jordan River. And Elijah consents and agrees to go with them. And there's a, right here, there's a debate among biblical thinkers as to whether Elijah is saying, yes, let's go for it, or if it's more of a sarcastic protest, assent to their wishes. Go ahead and do it, right? But I don't support this. This would go along with the general series of interactions of tension between Elisha and the company of prophets and their ideological differences. That being, the prophets, Elisha and the prophets are living in Gagal, right? Among the people, with the community of people, not separated out. And the Jordan, biblically and historically, is a place where holy things happen, right? The people of Israel cross the Jordan, into the promised land, right? And then go in to dwell among the people. Um, And so one can say that the prophet's call is to live among the people and speak God's word and not just be separated out and living in the, like, the luxury of the spiritual Jordan River, right? So some people say he's saying, "Ah, go ahead, fine but he doesn't like what's happening. And the Jordan River, uh, we should actually uh, click, click slide. This is a picture of the Jordan River. As you can see, lots of trees, uh, very woody and foresty. Um, The Jordan River, we read in scripture, Right? has a lot of significance, a lot of spiritual significance, a lot of things happen around the Jordan River. For instance, after the Exodus, like I mentioned, 
from Egypt, Joshua led the Israelites across the Jordan River on dry ground into the promised land. Um, that's Joshua 3 through 6. Jacob also crossed it with just a staff before God blessed him, Genesis 32.10. And then if you remember the chapter right before this in 2 Kings, Naaman, the Syrian captain, was held, uh, healed of le- leprosy at Elisha's command to go in the Jordan River and to cleanse himself, to wash himself, and then he was healed of leprosy. That's 2 Kings 5. Um, cross-reference Luke 4.27, um, where the man... Um, goes into the waters. Um, and then prof, the prophet Elijah, we mentioned, and Elijah both uh, crossed the river with dry, uh, with dry feet. Um, also in the New Testament, if we're to look in the New Testament, John the Baptist, baptized, Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River, right? And... Um, you know, when we, when we make our trip to the Holy Lands, like Christians make, go to the Holy Lands, um, that's one of the places along the Jordan River um, that people want to visit is. Where is the place where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? Um, and in the Law of Moses, this is an interesting passage, Deuteronomy 19, 4 through 6, uh, it actually says, when a man goes to the forest with his friend to cut wood and his hand swings the axe to cut down the tree and the iron head slips off the handle and strikes his friend so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities and live. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue the manslayer in the heat of his anger and overtake him because the way is long and, uh, and take his life, though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated him previously. So, in one way or another, in the law of Moses, the, the dislocated axe, axe head hitting someone and taking their life makes the person who was wielding the axe morally culpable, right, of judgment. There's moral culpability. So, in the story, um, this offender, if you he, if he kind of make the analogy, this offender who's swinging his axe blade, it's buried, and he loses it, there could be more kind of symbolism attached to that, more like of a moral culpability, right? I lost an axe head, and that's a very big deal. In our law, that's a very big deal in our situation. Uh, on top of that, iron is very scarce, so it's a very valuable tool. And whoever lent it to them, that was probably their trade, the tool of their trade, right? Whether they be a carpenter or someone who is a builder, they need that axe to make a living, to survive, to build things, to participate in community building. And this prophet who borrows it, right, loses the axe head. Have you ever lost something that you, was very valuable that someone lent to you? Just lost them, like lost someone's car or crashed someone's car. Um, I'm sure a lot of us 
has a lot, have a lot of stories about that. And that kind of sinking feeling like, <gasps> right? I just spilled red wine on my friend's tuxedo, right? Like, ah! And we don't know like how valuable, since iron is rare and it's very valuable, how valuable this is, right? It's probably more like, oh, I borrowed someone's loader or someone's bulldozer one day and I ran it off a cliff. Sorry. Like, and that's why this prophet is like, ah! I just lost this. So, next slide. So, on CNN the other day, uh, they had a story about this town in Washington. It's actually in Washington, Point Roberts, Washington. But if you look at where it's located, right, you can't go to mainland U.S., or you can't go to Washington, right, without going through Canada. But during the pandemic, since the borders have been closed down, this town, this economy, has been suffering, right? And, and they rattled off some, the mayor, uh, they had the mayor or whatever come in and he rattled off some stats. Like he said, it's a ghost town right now because 90% of their economy, Point Roberts, comes from Canada. And nearly everyone um, at Point Roberts have dual citizenship. The other stat was that 75% of property owned in Point Roberts uh, were owned by Canadians. So needless to say, if the borders are, are uh, closed down, that they just, Point Roberts completely collapsed, right? That's loss, right? That's, lo that's losing an ax head, right? That's losing something that allows you to thrive, that allows you to build your life and it's taken away. And um, so they're struggling. They're struggling. Next slide. We don't do well with loss. <clears throat> right? Let's just say that right there. It's hard to lose things. We can fall into despair. We can lose a sense of purpose and direction. What are those times in life where you're like, God, I need a miracle. I just need a miracle right now. Or the times when you've needed healing, redemption, or restoration. And in this story, God brings the supernatural into the natural, everyday aspect of our lives. He brings the, God brings the supernatural into the natural, everyday aspects of our lives. This is the gospel story, right? This is a story of grace. Because Elijah, Elisha says to the prophet, as the axe head is floating up, he says, you pick it up. Right? What does this remind you of when Jesus says to the paralytic, pick up your mat and walk? So there's an invitation to participate in the actual healing. Right? You don't know if you're going to be healed unless you actually make the motion of picking up that mat and walking. 
So while there's something supernatural happening, right, we're asked in our natural human selves to participate in that with our own efforts, right? So the, the infinite and the finite are coming together in this, and that's what God's inviting us into, and that's what happens here. Elijah invites the man to pick up the axe. So God invites us to participate in the story of God bringing the supernatural into the natural everyday aspects of lives, right? God is about using the supernatural to bring abundance, to bring salvation, to bring a miracle into loss, into despair, into disease and hunger in our world. God wants to renew. God wants to bring new life. God wants us to, people to thrive and to be fruitful and to be happy, right? And he's inviting us to participate with him. Pick up that accent. Look, it's real. It's happening. Pick it up. Feel it with your own hands. I am providing for you a very um, practical, I'm giving you a very practical miracle of this tool that helps you chop down wood to build a house. I, I'm saving this situation for you. Pick it up. Amen? Pick up your mat and walk. And as a church, we're called into that. Like, some of us are like really practical and really logical. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> Miracles, yeah, that's for Bible stuff. Right? This just like live a good life. Be ethically and morally good. God helps those who help themselves, right? Work hard. Some of us are like waiting for that, that like charismatic moment. Like, Lord, like bring it, bring it, right? Bring the lightning bolt right here. I need a miracle. And then we, def- we interpret everything that happens as a miracle. Oh, God, God made it so. God, that's what God wanted. That's why that happened, right? God, 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 God. Everything is a miracle. And, I, you know, I'm not here to be an arbiter or to judge, like, what's truly true or not. But I would say it's somewhere in between, right? The supernatural and the physical, right? Jesus was resurrected but came, on, came back to see his disciples and he had his hands and feet had holes from the nails in them, right? He was flesh, but he also walked through walls, right? So there's this enfleshment of Jesus, but also, can you walk through walls? I can't walk through walls, like, right? The enfleshed and yet the supernatural. That's, that's what we live in. Are you with me, church? <laughs> On a Christological... <laughs> The big words, or theological level, you can see it as this, right? Just as in Exodus, an axe head killing someone makes you morally culpable, this prophet losing the axe head makes him morally culpable. He's on the hook. But the miracle or the grace is that out of the waters of the Jordan, this axe head floats up. And it's, it's because of a stick. For some reason, the stick's there, right? So we've got to find a meaning for the stick. So some write 
That's the cross of Jesus, right? Because of the cross of Jesus, right, the grace of God, the axe head is resurrected, right? So this is pointing to the Messiah. It's a messianic uh, prophecy, like out of the waters of the Jordan, just as Christ came out to new life, we come out of the waters of baptism in a miracle of new life. Do you see that? So that's a kind of a deeper interpretation of the scripture. Basically, everything, every sermon, everything can be wrapped up into this. It's the good news, right? In Jesus, we have good news. In Jesus, we live in a new economy. We don't deserve it. There's grace and crazy things happen because of the power of Jesus in our lives. Amen? And that's good news because in the midst of the bad news in your life, in the midst of the, all the places we've experienced loss, oh, my axe head, right? It's gone. Oh, for me, it's like, oh, my stock portfolio, it's gone. I had to use it up. My savings, it's gone. My cryptocurrency is gone. <laughs> no, I don't. No, Janice, I don't. You that. <laughs> um, right? My job is gone. My health is gone. My youth is gone. My, this relationship is gone. We're estranged. Gone, 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 gone. For you kids out there, right? Many of you who uh, go to school, that's gone. Like, I haven't played with my friends for like a year and a half. Gone. And we're just now coming out of that. Loss. Right? A year and a half of you guys getting to hear me preach. Gone. <laughs> like, getting me live, right? Streaming is one thing, but live? Oh my gosh. Just kidding. Just kidding. Getting to fellowship together and greet one another in person. The snacks are gone. The snacks are gone. Coffee is gone. Our, our potluck is gone. Right? But that's also a great place to be, right? Empty-handed with our palms up. God, the accent is lost. What now? Right? That's the cry of the believer, right? That's the, the prayer of the faithful. What now? I, it's not in my hands any longer. I lost it. It slipped out. And to then to allow the grace and mercy of God to put things back into your hands. Put new things in your hands. And corporately as a church, yeah, maybe everything we used to do and everything we hoped for has been gone, is gone. But you know what? God is going to put new things in. The other day, Friday, Pastor Magdiel and I got to meet with the Fijian church. And a lot of us met them as they came in uh, last Sunday. Like, the sheer, like, strength and size of our church, like, tripled last Sunday. <laughs> as they all walked in, like, this whole family, just massive people, amazingly beautiful people came in and 
as they signed the lease, they were so excited. Like we were both excited. Us feeling like, hey, when we were almost dead and like a little church plant, like not knowing what's up, God blessed us with the space and all these resources, right? A place to meet. We didn't do anything for it. We just said yes and jumped in and people were gracious to us. Amen? And I, I got to share that with them. I was like, and that's why we want to share this space with you. We want to partner with you. We don't want to just rent to you. We want to we partner and share with you. So that was exciting. And then we met with uh, a pastor from Colombia who's been doing an online church and wanting to plant a church, a Spanish-speaking church. And so they're going to rent from us, and they're going to sign uh, a lease with us. And again, same thing. Like, we're excited about this. We're, we're excited about you. These are the types of things God is putting into our hands. Like, this is what it means to live into your mission. This is what it means to be good neighbors. And this is what it means to live out our dream, our unique dream of being a multi-ethnic church, right? A church full of diversity in a place like Linwood, <laughs> in this place, a church among other types of churches. And God is blessing that, right? We can't force that kind of thing to happen. God is blessing that. So we told each of those churches, like, we're excited in August to, we all like eating. You guys like eating? We like eating. To have a barbecue, let us pray for one another, maybe worship together in August and have a, have a barbecue and bless one another. So that's going to be you know, a sign of the kingdom, amen, and a sign of God's grace, putting new things in in places of loss. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for, yeah, thank you for your word that even in passages we may skip over in the Bible or be like, oh, that was weird, but ah, it doesn't apply to me, that we can glean wisdom and glean your truth from that and be moved forward and inspired as a community. So may this word uh, continue to um, bring fruit in each of our hearts and our lives. And we're excited about what your spirit is doing among us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen.